afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Rebel News live stream on this, a Tuesday, July 26, 2022. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Do you know, folks, today is National Coffee Milkshake Day? And my co-host, he hates coffee milkshakes, as do I. He is the he-man with a slingshot. He is the Khaleesi of Haldeman County. He is Dakota Christensen. How you doing there, Dakota? I'm doing just fantastic, David. What an intro. <laughs> you deserve it. Now, I, I'm serious. When it comes to, you know, a coffee milkshake, you know, it's the idea of one plus one equals three, but sometimes it goes south, even if you like the first two ingredients. I mean, I love coffee. I love milkshakes. Coffee should not be combined with a milkshake. It's just like, I love music. I love movies, but I hate musicals. I just hate them, right? You know, so, I, you know, there's a whole list of things out there, I think, Dakota, that on their own are fantastic, but when you combine them, combine them, uh, you just ruin both of them. What do you think? Yeah, you know what? I think you make some good points there. I'm honestly not sure how I feel about a lot of those things. Like there are some things I can think of where it's like, yeah, you throw a bunch of stuff together. It's it's a better when you combine it. I think you might have something there though. When you, you take something great in its simplest form and you start overcomplicating it, you just make it worse. You know, I, I think you're onto something there, David. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I don't know anything about cooking or engineering, but I like the phrase, uh, keep it simple. Uh, uh, the best engineering, I think, subscribes to less is more. Um, so let's not over-engineer our milkshakes. In any event, Dakota, why don't you tell the folks at this point what the ostensible policy reason is for this show? Well, absolutely. This is the Rebel News Daily live stream. We tell you all the cutting-edge news of the day. And, of course, we give you our thoughts and reactions on all of that. And so, you know, we, we jump right in. You can interact with us. You can send us, I believe, it's Rumble rants and super you tips unfortunately youtube doesn't like us has us demonetized so if you're on youtube i'd highly recommend hopping over onto rumble or odyssey so you can actually interact with us send us your messages we'll respond to you and we go through sort of the cutting headlines of today david you know uh, the good news is dakota is i don't think we have anything that is youtube unfriendly uh because you know mm -hmm. i think it's safe to say we have a love-hate relationship with YouTube. It's kind of like Highway 407. I love Highway 407 for getting me from point A to point B at actual highway speeds as opposed to bumper-to-bumper -bumper horror, which you get on the 401. What I hate about 407 is the bill that comes in the mail. They take a picture of your license plate. And, oh, to our, my American, our American friends out there, uh, you you have nothing to complain about when it comes to tolling because I've gone on the Ohio Turnpike and I I couldn't believe how cheap it was. But um, again, getting back to YouTube, we love the reach, don't we, Dakota? We have like over 1.5 mm -hmm. million subscribers. We hate the censorship, and when it's topics like um, talking about a contrarian contrarian opinion to the COVID-19 narrative. Uh, that will get you a hit. Uh, talking about electoral fraud, 
Um, that's 2020 electoral fraud. Can't talk about that. You can talk about 2016 electoral fraud. In fact, I think they encourage you to talk about that, how Trump stole the election from Hillary Clinton. Um, mm. But yeah, it, so it's a it's very much a double standard. And um, I always find it shocking, Dakota, that you know, YouTube being in the land of the First Amendment, for them to subscribe to this censor platform, uh, it's incredible. And I think I've said this uh, uh, over and over on this show. When you go back some 15 years ago, when you saw the likes of YouTube and Facebook and Twitter emerge, it was come one, come all. This is going to be, you know, a biosphere of free speech. We love you. We're going to have diverse ideas. Oh, and we're going to get free content, by the way. What a business plan, right? Getting all the content for zero. And then once these platforms, Dakota, achieved critical mass, they decided who is welcome and who is unwelcome. I mean, it was like just we really got hoodwinked. And the fallacy, of course, uh, you know, of their free speech narrative is that most of these uh, people are on the left and they don't believe in classical liberalism anymore. They don't believe in freedom of expression, of speech, etc. And uh, they're censorious. You know, it's so sad to see what's happened to the left, uh, both here in Canada and the U.S. Mm, you're absolutely right. And you know what? Just on your 407 point, slight tangent, I went on the 407 highway one time, David, one time, I went one exit and I got a $15 bill in the mail. So I know what you're on about. One there. exit? <laughs> yeah, I think I may, might have been two, but even still, it was something ridiculous like that. But, wow. uh, and you didn't, yeah. so you that's, probably that's didn't have a transponder. Board. No, I did not. No. That's that's the struggle. Yeah, you'll you'll be nailed. You see, folks, don't do what Dakota did mm -hmm. unless you it. really have to get yes. there on time. In any event, enough about this. Uh, what do we have? Well, that, that was a fantastic. Um, tweet, I would say, um, former Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Oh, God, do I miss him? Oh, oh, do I miss him so much? Well, oh, those golden he, days. he endorsed a particular candidate last night for the CPC leadership. Why don't we run the video and see who Mr. Harper likes? Friends, fellow conservatives, greetings. I haven't talked to you like this in a while and much has transpired. Our party, once again, has a leadership race underway. In this particular race, there's been a lot of speculation about whom I support or do not support and why. So it may be useful for my fellow party members to hear my views straight from me. It's a strong field, but one candidate has garnered disproportionate attention. Pierre Poiliev was a strong minister in my government. In the past several years, he's been our party's most vocal and effective critic of the Trudeau Liberals. He's been talking about the issues, especially the economic issues, that matter. Slow growth, debt, inflation, lack of job and housing opportunities, and the need to fix the institutions that are failing Canadian families. He's proposing answers rooted in sound conservative ideas, but ones adapted for today's realities. That's why he has the strong support of our caucus and our existing membership, and why he is bringing the most new members and a new generation into our party. That's how we win the next federal election. And in my opinion, Pierre has made by far the strongest case 
that he is the person to do that. I know, of course, that others, including some of my friends, may disagree with me, and I respect their views. But I thought you would like to know what my opinion actually is. Thank you for listening. God bless all of you, and God bless Canada. Well, Dakota, in my opinion, that is a huge endorsement. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. Especially since I, I find for the you know a number of years now, Harper has been rather like he, he stayed in the background, kind of in the shadows. He hasn't. I mean, he never really was one to be very talkative with the media, I think you would say, or to put his face out there um, more than he needs to. And so I think it's definitely it is a big deal for him to be coming out and putting his face out there on video and giving that endorsement, I think is a big deal. And it's very interesting seeing people's reactions to this. I think uh, because when you look at people on the conservative side, um, it's funny to, to see some people say uh, who just never liked Harper. They think he's, you know, too far right wing, corrupt, all oh, those Harper days. And then you find other people who maybe like the more typical PPC supporter would say, oh, Harper, he's just another globalist sellout. And this just shows that Pierre Polyev, he's just, you know, with the globalists. So it, it's funny to see how. Uh, of people on you know different sides are reacting to this, but personally, I think this is not nothing but another sort of feather in the cap for uh, for Polyev there, and I think there is a huge swath of the conservative movement that uh, this just kind of helps them feel a little bit better about saying, yeah, you know what, like hey, I I miss the days of Stephen Harper. If only we could go back to that, despite his faults. Uh, you know, if Polyev has his endorsement, I feel a little bit better about uh, giving throwing my support behind Polyev. So. No, I, it's, I, it's interesting to see the lines people can tow there, their reactions to this video. I think you're right, Dakota. And something you said, I mean, uh, those who I guess we would describe as red Tories. Well, you have a candidate there, a prominent candidate. That would be Sean Charest. Uh, that's who you would support, you know, a eight year uh, liberal premier of Quebec. And um, I think Stephen Harper is speaking to people that want to bring the party more uh, to the right and not be, you know, waffling all over the place. I mean, it was interesting in his words. <clears throat> he said, we're having a, a leadership convention, quote, once again. And uh, what I took from that is almost, you know, uh, I don't know, a bit of condemnation, a bit of shock, what have you, because when you think of it, uh, Dakota, from 2019 to 2022, I mean, that's not even one uh, four-year term of government, three leadership uh, conventions for the Conservative Party of Canada. Uh, let's hope we do, you know, have somebody who comes as advertised. I think that was the major fallacy of uh, both Mr. Shear and Mr. O'Toole. Um, they said one thing before they became leader, and then once they became leader, they were all over the map. And, uh, you know, and, and by the way, people say, by the way, instead, uh, aside from blocking up some streets, what did the trucker convoy do? Well, it got rid of Aaron O'Toole. It's not just because of the trucker convoy. That was the last straw. When you asked Aaron O'Toole, do you support the truckers, yes or no? He could not give you an answer with some nonsense about reaching out to the trucking associations, which do not support the truckers. So, you know, people see through that kind of con job. Um, I, I am hopeful of, uh, I mean, there are some good candidates. Uh, I, I like what Roman Baber stands for. I like Leslie Lewis and her policies. But I think 
Pierre Polyev, you get the sense of some momentum there, right? It's, uh, he's, like an, uh, he's like a juggernaut right now. He's unstoppable. Mm -hmm. I think this helps him. And, um, you know, for PPC supporters, uh, Dakota, here's the burning issue uh, for them. And, and by the way, I do like the PPC and, you know, I love Maxime Bernier. I always have time for him and he always has time for us. And that's great. But the thing is, um, they have to come to a realization, I think, whenever the next federal election is, which is uh, you really have zero chance, almost zero chance of a PPC uh, government coming into place. There's not even one man with one seat in that party. So do you want to squander that vote or do you want to go with somebody, Pierre Polyev, who, by the way, uh, Dakota, has been echoing many of the platform planks Maxine Bernier has done. I've covered a few, mm -hmm. um, you know, rallies of Pierre Polyev, and I can tell you, the single promise that he makes that gives him the loudest and most prolonged standing ovation is defunding the CBC. That's right out of uh, the uh, PPC mm -hmm. playbook. Um, my question to you, Dakota, do you think PPC voters, uh, and they got a great percentage of the vote, which at the end of the day means nothing, you've actually got to win the writing. Do you think they're going to say, I'm going to have to maybe hold my nose, go back to the conservatives and vote for him? Or is it just it's Mad Max or nobody? Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like especially with this last election, I feel like there was a very large swath of the People's Party that went to the PPC only because they were so disillusioned with the Conservative Party. They like Aaron O'Toole was. We always said he's just, you know, liberal under a different color. You know, he's, yeah. you know, he may be uh, wearing the blue tie under the Conservative Party of Canada. He's, you know, his platform is almost identical to Trudeau. Like he he was so unpalatable, I think, to any real conservatives that that's why the PPC was able to swallow up so much of the party. And the, and the, the Conservative Party, I think, was so evidently corrupt in, in a, many areas. And so I feel like if Pierre Polyev, because he's such a front runner right now, if he if he falls through and if he does win this leadership election, and if he does stay true to what he's campaigned on, like you said, we want someone who remains as advertised. I feel like if he stays true to all of the principles that he has campaigned on and he does what he says he's going to do, I feel like there's a large swath of the PPC who will be pulled back into the Conservative Party. Of course, I think there are those who will remain with the PPC for sure. Maxime Bernier does have a very strong following within a certain section of the population who are very much not going to go back to the conservatives, I think. But I think there is a large amount who will, who, you know, because like you were saying, they are, they are very similar on a lot of issues, which is interesting because we see those like Jean Charest now calling Pierre Polyev uh, an extremist in the party. His extreme views are, are unacceptable and it's unelectable, whereas uh, diehard members of the People's Party would say that, oh, well, he's just another sellout and, you know, he's another phony politician. We can't trust him. So, I mean, my kind of hard and fast rule is, well, I'm not going to give my trust to any politician, but I'll uh, throw some cautiously optimistic support behind them however yeah i'm with you dakota uh i i am i would support a pierre polyev but with the caveat as long as he comes as advertised it, you know it will be mm. heartbreaking it will be crushing if he does a flip-flop my spidey senses are saying that he won't that um he means what he says and he says what he means jeez what a concept right but um yeah imagine 
And I'll tell you one thing I would love, you know, if um, that was a presser that uh, Stephen Harper uh, was giving, and it wasn't, it was just a private video that he put up on Twitter. The question I would love to ask him, and maybe it's just because I personally invested so much time in it, I'd love to get Mr. Harper's opinion on sneaky Patrick Brown and how he was thrown out of the party and what he thinks of him for breaking the rules and getting caught breaking the rules and then blaming everybody else and saying it's a conspiracy and everyone's out to get him. I would love to see someone as solid as Stephen Harper uh, give his opinion on Patrick Brown. What do you think he thinks of the sneaky one, Dakota? Well, I, I think Patrick Brown is such an obvious case of He's just he's just had scandal after scandal, being caught in lie after lie after lie. I think Patrick Brown has demonstrated himself so consistently as someone who will literally do or say anything yeah. on any issue in order to help himself get ahead. That uh, I, I I honestly don't think that uh, Stephen Harper would think it worth his time commenting on it. Uh, to be honest, like if you, I, I think if you had the opportunity to put the question to him, I'm honestly not sure he would actually say anything of substance on the matter. But uh, I don't know. To me, it just seems so obvious that anyone who has followed the legacy of Patrick Brown in the slightest uh, can see that he is the the epitome of the, you know, what we think of the worst of politicians. Indeed. And to to your words of he'll say and do anything to get elected, what, what the viewers are watching right now, I don't know if you can see it, uh, Dakota, it's that June 3rd mm -hmm. um, oh, you know, event in which Lincoln Jay and I followed uh, Patrick Brown uh, right to a police station. Uh, here we are being told to come outside because they've just set up a, a spot check on the parking lot of the police station, a spot check that began and ended with my car and not the first car in, which was sneaky Patrick Brown's uh, SUV there. Um, the it, it, it's It's amazing because to the point of what you said, he'll say anything. If only we could get our hands on the call he made to police, or maybe it was a 911 call even. Mm -hmm. I wonder what he said, you know, to the police or to the 911 dispatcher. Like, was it, I, I'm fearing for my life. There are these guys following me. There's been a lot of carjackings. This is all, you know, mm -hmm. theories. It's, it's impossible to prove. Um, as I understand it, we can't get a copy of a 911 call unless the caller uh, consents uh, to, to allowing that um, transcript to be revealed. That's what I've been told by legal. But it, it's amazing because if he said stuff like that, and I have a feeling he did, I have a feeling he you know, had some kind of narrative that I'm being followed, which he was. We were following him, absolutely, because we wanted to, uh, you know, once he got out of the vehicle, we wanted to ask him questions. But again, if he said that his life or property were at risk, it was all blown away by the fact that his chauffeur, which we later mm -hmm. found out is, guess what, uh, Dakota, a um, full-time city of Brampton employee. So that makes it seven that we know of that we're working on the Patrick Brown for conservative leader campaign. He said to uh, Lincoln J, uh, we know who the F uh, you are. And I'm sure that chauffeur might be in a little bit of hot water because mm -hmm. it, it destroys any kind of narrative 
uh, that Patrick Brown might have said to the authorities that there were some gangbangers, you know, um, following me. Uh, because if the chauffeur knows who we are, surely Patrick Brown knows who we are. We're no threat to him unless you, I don't know, count impolite questions as being threatening. So there again, uh, Dakota, I, I guess that's one anecdote, yet another anecdote, I should say, that backs up what you say, that he'll say or do anything. Yeah. And on that note of the what he said to the police call, because I think it's one of two things there. And like you're saying about the driver saying, we know who you are, destroys um, <laughs> the narrative of if you were to call and say, hey, I'm fearing for my safety. There are people following me. I don't know who they are. It's either that or what could be even worse rather than him lying to the police and saying, oh, there are these people. I don't know who they are. They're following me. They admitted they knew who you were. So the, the other thing is, hey, I have Rebel News following me in the car. I'm going to call up my buddies at the police station and let them know, hey, they're following me. Can you stop them? I'm going to walk in. It's either he lied to the or he called up his buddies at the police station and had them help him out uh, in a rather inappropriate way to apprehend media and get him out of a bit of hot water himself. It is astonishing. Uh, now, of course, he's yesterday's man when it comes to the CPC. He will be running for Mayor of Brampton again, just for the sake that he can uh, be Mayor of Brampton. It's all about the insatiable quest for power when it comes to Patrick Brown. And it's kind of funny that I feel sorry for Bramptonians, good people, that they have to endure this guy. Um, he's run that city like, well, basically his own private bordello for the last four years, his own fiefdom. Um, the last five city council meetings, if you can believe it, Dakota, never even happened. The city is kind of operating on autopilot. We know of now seven for sure employees working on his campaign. Uh, the chief administrative officer, a former cop, doesn't return my calls, um, my emails, I gave him a package last week. Uh, no farm, no fall. Even though the media relations people uh, don't return calls or emails. It's astonishing, Dakota. It is, um, it, you know, it's like everybody is on, well, I won't say on the take, but everybody, it seems, is answerable to Patrick Brown. You know, it's like, it, it, it is like something out of a, um, I don't know, a fiefdom from Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he sits like on a his mafia throat. kind of shakedown. Yeah. You got the man at the top, the head of the family, and his, you know, his uh, his capos, and then you got the foot soldiers, and they're all answering up to the man up top. It's yeah, it's it's a weird thing to look at how Patrick Brown is running the city of Brampton and how that municipality is kind of turned into its own little, you know, political cabal yeah. in its own right. It is dysfunctional. We'll see what happens in October. But right now, um, we must break for an ad. Check this one out, folks. Hey, folks, check out the newest arrival to the Rebel News Store. Yes, F is for Fidel and F is for father. I mean, could it be? Yes, it, half this photo, the colored half, is Justin Trudeau. The black and white half is a young Fidel Castro Wait now, or is it vice versa? It's so confusing. Well, I'm a huge Forensic Files fan. Wouldn't it be great if we could have a piece of Justin's DNA and a piece of Fidel's DNA and put the rumor to bed once and for all? But in the meantime, we'll just have to walk around wearing this shirt, hinting at a great Canadian conspiracy. Or is it? <laughs> 
In any event, if you want to get this shirt, folks, go to the Rebel News Store and check this out. Type in our new discount code that summer, S-U-M-M-E-R, and if you buy two unisex t-shirts, you get an additional one for free. What a deal. Like I said, Justin Trudeau, Fidel Castro, as they used to say on the ABC detergent ads, can you tell the difference? I can't tell the difference. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, Dakota, I have a little conspiracy theory about Justin Trudeau's awful Jim Carrey dumb and dumber haircut. And it's this, mm. just days after we uh, ran that ad, and by the way, I think it might be our top seller right now this summer. They are flying oh, yeah. off the, the shelves. Lady Menzoid wore hers uh, to the um, convoy that descended upon the Vaughn Mills uh, shopping mall in Vaughn, Ontario. And um, wow, was she the belle of the ball at that gathering wearing that <laughs> T-shirt? People loved it. So I'm sure that generated even more sales. I'm thinking uh, he wants to disassociate himself from the uncanny resemblance of a young Castro and a current um, vintage uh, Trudeau. And what better way to do that than to give yourself Maybe the most horrible haircut in Canadian political history. What is your take, Dakota? <laughs> I I think that is a grand theory, David. I you know, <laughs> I'll have to think about that a little bit. I do I do like it though. I very much like it. And that ad is the best ad we've ever shot. I think it's incredible. <laughs> when the as soon as the conspiracy, the or is it comes on, it kills me every time. It's golden, but well, I, you know, honestly, it's worth looking into the, uh, you know, all the. I think there's, I think it's in Medium, an article which called "No, Nothing's Been Debunked," and it goes through all the ways <laughs> that the Trudeau Castro theory about how Fidel Castro could be his father is very plausible. Of course, there's no proof, there's no evidence of anything, but there's a lot of plausibility. Well, Margaret loved to travel around. In fact, uh, from time mm -hmm. to time, there were even uh, Mounties dispatched to find out where the hell she was on the continent or off the <laughs> continent, uh. as the case may be. So, uh, you know, but again, uh, unless we can submit that to a DNA test, uh, and I have a feeling there's no way in hell Justin Trudeau would ever agree to that. It's, it's, uh, it's all lose-lose um, if things go wrong for him. But I'm telling you, uh, folks, the resemblance is uncanny and we cannot prove it. But wow, if you want to wear it on your T-shirt, uh, on your on your uh, chest as a uh, as a question mark as to his real uh, paternal roots, please do so. I, you know, I, here's the other thing, Dakota, before we move on. I bet if he sees that much like the F Trudeau flags, which were, mm -hmm. which might have almost outnumbered the Canadian flags at the uh, Dutch farmer rally I went to in Vaughan on Saturday with super producer Olivia. Um, I think this gets under his skin. I think he is such oh, yeah. a sociopath um, that he can't believe there are people that dislike him and even use um, four-letter words to convey their uh, feelings towards them. What do you think about that? 
Oh yeah, yeah. I think there's no doubt. Just he's he's such a narcissist that I can't I can't imagine that seeing flags with his name, but with a certain expletive beforehand, or seeing that shirts like that. I mean, it has to get under his skin. I mean, uh, the whole the whole convoy. You could just see how stressed and anxious and worried he was throughout that whole you know time in February when the convoy was in Ottawa, and uh, and you know you just there were a few moments where he's lashing out a little bit. Yeah, I, I can only imagine it gets under his skin. Mm. And I see we have some other topics that are pretty much uh, YouTube friendly. Oh, here, you know, this is this uh, intrigues me. Uh, I haven't seen the video, so I'm going to be seeing it for the first time. But it is something that is so much in the news cycle for this calendar year of 2022, uh, Dakota. Uh, essentially, it's Robert Downey Jr., promoting mealworms. Now, before we get to the video, I can tell you this. Um, I just um, wrote a monologue um, about it's a group of almost 100 mayors. They're called the C-40. Sounds like an explosive. Uh, of course, John Tory is on that uh, list. And it's all about climate change and all about the war on the farmer, which is coming to Canada, by the way. It's not just something far off in the Netherlands. Um, and I say that because of the Justin Trudeau liberals um, proposed mandates of reducing uh, fertilizer. And I made the quip. I said, you know, it seems that not a week goes by where I don't come across a story involving edible insects. And just to make sure I was on solid ground with that statement, I went to Google News, typed in edible insects. And my goodness, I said, not a week goes by. I should have said not a day goes by. Dakota, the last news item was only 10 hours old. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was. And then there was something from just, um, I think, four days ago from the BBC, a big factual feature of why uh, it's a good idea for crickets to replace uh, beef. Unbelievable. But what I can't help but think is that all these people, I mean... Robert Downey, he comes from a, pla a place of privilege. He gets, what, $20, $30 million uh, a movie just to put on an Iron Man costume. Um, the politicians, the Claude Schwabs of the world, they're all preaching this. But I just wonder if they're having a cricket sandwich as opposed to a Big Mac. So why don't we roll this video, and I want you to weigh in on this. It's almost a fetish by certain people in certain cir circles to promote insect eating. Uh, uh, it's incredibly comfortable. Now, what is this? This looks like I could make cocoa with this. What is right? What is that? Well, uh, that's an insect-based premium protein. It's made from Molitor, which is mealworm larvae. Uh, the company is called Insect. This is Infras. This is for fertilizer. Mm -hmm. And as you have there, this is a powder derived from the mealworm and it's a insect protein just been approved by the EU for human consumption. You're not just getting me to eat dirt, are you? <laughs> no, man, I wouldn't play you, bro. We're like one, we're like one entity now. That that is, that is, if this is protein, it's essentially tasteless. It's just a protein supplement. Exactly. I could put and this I in a smoothie or something. <laughs> I'm telling you, yep, and they'll be making all kinds of stuff out of it. And by the way, it is the the, the making of it is severely reducing the the amount of emissions it takes. It is it is a innovation, Justin. We're doing something incorrectly, 
if we make this switch, it's a huge, huge uh, intervention. Well, you know, Dakota, go back to the beginning of the show. I guess I now have an answer in terms of how do you make a coffee milkshake taste even worse? And I guess it's to put up grinded down insects into the beverage. What's your take on what Robert Downey was trying to sell us? Yeah, I mean, like to your point about it's everywhere now. There's this massive push. It's like this campaign that's being pushed across, and they're roping celebrities into it left and right. I think on the last live stream I was on, we showed a video of Nicole Kidman sitting there eating insects. She's like, "Oh, here's a mealworm," and she'd eat it. Oh, delicious! And you know, there's this this push all around. It's like this this campaign to try and promote like people to eat bugs and, you know, bug uh, supplements and all of that for as an alternative protein that's more climate eco-friendly. And it's just like, it's the current thing right now. It's what the people are pushing. You know, we always talk about, oh, I support the current thing. What's the woke, uh, you know, social agenda that the celebrities are pushing these days? Well, now eating bugs is on the list. And I mean, I personally, I've got no issue if you want to go and eat the bugs. If that's what the market wants, if the market demands more insect protein and the consumers are there for it, they want to eat the bugs, I say let them have it. But it's just – it's creepy and weird when we have this sudden uniform push of all these celebrities saying, come on, guys, eat the bugs. It's good for you and it will save the planet. You know, Eat less beef and eat oh, bugs God. instead. It just it just seems weird. Yeah, like this whole set here is just – I don't know. It's It's – very weird oh. advertisement for eating bugs. I don't know. I mean, again, like, hey, protein's protein. I'll try these things. If you put bugs in front of me, I'll try them just for the experience. Honestly, you know, I'll, I'll try anything yeah. you want to give me. But uh, I don't think I'll be making bugs a staple of my diet anytime soon. Uh, I don't know. I would have to see a very compelling case as to why I should. Maybe it'll just because all the rest of the food gets so expensive. I have no choice. Maybe that's the, maybe that's uh, what pushes people to accept the bugs. You know, beefed at fifty dollars a pound, or you have a bunch of crickets. Well, you know, Dakota, call me cynical, but as we were watching that Nicole Kidman video, uh, it, did you notice there were no close-up shots? I mean, I'm wondering. We get the shot of the mealworms in the uh, silver uh, canister, and then she puts something in her mouth. Maybe that was a gummy worm. You, you know how they like to fake <laughs> things in Hollywood, right? But I think it should be noted that. We've heard estimates of up to 2 billion people on this planet of some 8 billion use insects uh, or consume insects, I should say, as part of their daily diet. And I think um, I'm not saying that figure is wrong, but we have to connect the dots. And that is to say, if someone is in Uganda and doesn't have access to, oh, I don't know, a cheeseburger, and the only way to get through the day with something in your belly so you don't starve is an insect. Well, then you're going to in, eat insect, not out of desire, but out of necessity. I think that's what's going on. A. B. I think the reason. Yeah, there you go. Um, Two billion people eat insects and you can too. No, I don't need to. I still have a little green in my wallet uh, to buy a sandwich. Thank you. A sandwich that I want to make sure it's free of bugs. Because I remember a world, Dakota, where if you bought something from a restaurant and had bugs in it, uh, you know, bylaw would give the restaurant a ticket, uh, the food inspectors. Um, now I guess they're encouraging it too for added protein. But the thing is, um, you got to wonder, what is the ostensible policy reason of uh, 
the likes of C40 and the World Economic Forum and the United Nations and the celebrities in Hollywood uh, urging us to do this. And I think it is because of the climate change virtue signaling that you see in the Netherlands. The, the Dutch government has declared war on nitrogen, a much needed element for farming. It's going to put farms out of business. Here in Canada, if the Trudeau uh, proposals go through, you are looking at farmers having lower yields, less profits, higher prices for me and you, and family farms going under. And it's all in the name of climate change. So the elitists, I'm sure, know that if you take away nitrogen, if you take away fertilizer, if you take away manure, it means less food. So we've got to sell in advance this idea that it's actually downright fashionable. Hey, look, the stars in the Hollywood Hills are eating bugs. Why aren't you? I think that might be part of it, Dakota. What do you think? Well, yeah, absolutely. And like I was kind of saying at the end of my last comment there, almost in jest, but it is quite serious note in terms of, like you're saying, all of these emission targets and nitrogen caps that we're seeing being introduced as a top-down government policy in the Netherlands, in Canada, like you're seeing it around the world now, different governments are now introducing very similar policies to these, um, which like you said, is going to mean a decrease in the production of food. When you have less food, less traditional farm food, the price of those foods are going to skyrocket. Yeah. So only the rich will be able to afford them. And then while all of these policies are being implemented that are forcing farmers to produce less food, we have these cricket and other insect production facilities popping up like the one in London, uh, London, Ontario, that was uh, recently had this big announcement of, oh, the largest cricket farm in the world is now opening here in Ontario. This is great. Um, you know, we're going to start producing more insects on mass. So these bug foods will be economic, uh, you know, they will be affordable for the average person. But all of these traditional foods, especially animal products, are going to be complete luxuries. And again, I've got no problem with those things if that's what the market naturally allows, if that's what consumer decisions drive. But this is a weird top-down government policy that is forcing farmers out of business, forcing them to produce less food, and then encouraging the production of insects all in the name of global emissions and climate change. It just, yeah. it's so weird and it does not add up. Well, you know, uh, earlier this month, I did visit that London facility, um, Dakota. It is, it is enormous. It, it, it almost looks like a real life Borg cube touchdown in London, Ontario, <laughs> except there's not cyborgs in it. It's, uh, I, I presume, billions of crickets. And um, I did speak to the uh, CEO. I found him a very nice man. Uh, and he assured me it's none of the crickets being produced are for human consumption. Uh, it's for pet food consumption. I don't know if we asked Fluffy and Fido if they're okay with that or not. And I, uh, so I'll, uh, we'll, we'll be putting together a report on, on my visit there. But it, it, it's very odd, too, that, you know, part of my upcoming monologue is that this year that we're living in, 2022, uh, was the time for the um, 1973 science fiction film, Soylent Green. And it's kind of uncanny how many things have come true. And I mean, and, and that's a huge you know, risk, trying to guess the future in um, 50 years. But some of it, uh, they were bang on. For example, 
uh, assisted suicide. You know, in the movie, it's not only uh, legal, it's actually encouraged. And your, your remaining family members get death benefits uh, when you exit the planet to help with the population issue. And the other thing, of course, is the, the title of the film, Soylent Green. That is a substitute food replacement. For anyone that hasn't seen Soylent Green, I'm not going to give the spoiler of what they make Soylent Green out of. Let's put it this way. Um, once you know the secret behind Soylent Green, uh, eating bugs would be like filet mignon, okay? Uh, let me tell you that much. And one last point. As this war on the farm continues, as this promotion of edible insects continues, when I think of elites, one of the big world elites, Dakota, is Bill Gates. And isn't it odd that Bill Gates is now the single largest owner of American farmland, right? So he, like, he's not down with the, the bug menu. It looks like he's got enough farm land to keep him and his buddies uh, well-nourished with uh, beef and pork and chicken and what have you. I also understand uh, he is the single largest shareholder of CN Rail because uh, it's one thing to raise uh, the, uh, the beef and the pork and whatnot, but you got to get it to market too. So it seems that for such a guy who was considered a futuristic visionary, when you go back to the beginning of Microsoft, uh, he's really old school when it comes to his, his edibles. What say you, my friend? Well, if you think about what I was just saying earlier, um, you know, if you consider what I was saying to uh, end up coming to pass where you have this, these government policies implemented where it forces so many farms to shut down. It reduces uh, the ability of like these small family farms and private farm ownership um, on a small scale is reduced and the price of traditional farm produced food gets jacked up. Then Bill Gates is sitting pretty. He's got all this farmland and if he's got his um, farming systems in place and like you said, if he's got rail to transport it, then that's an incredibly profitable business right there of this commodity of Farm fresh food coming out of Bill Gates Farms going to feed all the those who are well enough to actually afford that quality food. Uh, I, it feels like to me he's just reading the tea leaves here. Maybe I don't know if he's uh, helping out uh, any of these policies uh, being pushed, but it seems to me like if if that is where the, if that's the direction we're headed with these uh, big governments forcing this to happen then, hey, I'd be buying up all the farmland I could too if I was in his position because looks like farm-produced food is about to become a lot more valuable. You know, that's a great point. And then again, to throw back to Soylent Green, which was uh, eerily prescient uh, given that it was shot in 1973, that is one of the plot points that only 1% of the world's population, which by uh, one thing they'd get it wrong was the population uh, estimates. Uh, presumably the world is uh, populated with 40 billion people, uh, not the, um, uh, the current 8 uh, billion it is right now. But um, only less than 1% of the super wealthy could actually ever dream of eating a piece of beef. It is in the thousands of dollars. Um, and uh, hey, who knows? Maybe Bill Gates saw that movie recently and said, I think this isn't a piece of science fiction. It's a business plan for our real future. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. 
In any event, we must break for an ad, I understand, because uh, you know what, folks, in addition to your generous donations, uh, selling the merchandise is one of the ways in which uh, we keep the lights on. We don't subscribe to the mainstream media business plan of, uh, oh, let's just take a direct withdrawal out of Canadians' wallets every two weeks. So let's roll with an ad. So I absolutely love having the opportunity to chat with you, to chat with our ever-growing audience. But I'd actually love for you to have that opportunity as well. We actually have advertising opportunities available with rebelnews.com. We don't get handouts from the government. We trust on supporters, viewers, and advertisers like you. So instead of folks listening to me in this spot, they could actually be checking out your company, getting information about your business. For more information or to advertise with us, send an email to ads at rebelnews.com. Oh, wow. Did Adam uh, look really something like that on that horse? But I can tell you, uh, Dakota, uh, Sheila knows this. I've told this anecdote so many times. In 1985, when I began my journalism career in Alberta, I rode the bucking bull champion of the province of the pre for the previous year, mm -hmm. Oscar, at the Smoky Lake Rodeo. The ride lasted two and a half seconds. My recovery uh, lasted, I think, two and a half months. I was taken to hospital immediately with a hyperextended elbow and bruised ribs and whatnot. But I did survive. So, Adam Seuss, you get on a bull before you take any kind of Calgary stampede bragging points. But, you know, I think part of the message of why it's good to advertise with us, Dakota, is that rebel viewers are incredibly loyal they they buy our merchandise like crazy they love us you know when you go to an event um they are so appreciative you know they um uh you know they ask for selfies i mean i, I don't think you know rosemary barton has ever been asked for a selfie by anyone but they love what it is we're selling and what i, I guess what i'm trying to get to it's almost like um i i've heard when it comes to nascar that, you know, when the drivers in their cars, they're covered in ads and logos and whatnot. And evidently, it is the best marketing buy you can uh, do because NASCAR fans vote with their wallets. If your driver is wearing a Tide logo, guess what? The next day when they're shopping, they're going to buy a box of Tide as opposed to another box of uh, detergent because, uh, you know, Tide is supporting uh, your favorite driver. I think that's the connection here, that you align your brand to Rebel News. I think you're going to win. I think you are. there's a great chance your sales are going to go up. What do you think? Yeah, well, no, I, th I think you're right. And I think it's there are a lot of people who do follow us, who like to know that they are supporting companies that share certain more you know, traditional values of freedom and conservatism and I feel like they're like you're saying there are a lot of very loyal viewers that we have who want to support people like that but also don't know quite where to find them so it's always a great opportunity i think to advertise with media companies that sort of wear their hearts on their sleeve so to speak in terms of their values and their you know viewpoints and don't try and uh, hide that under the rug at all it's we're very clear we're very open we're very transparent about what we think and what we uh you know what we subscribe to ourselves uh, philosophically, and so I think it's uh, it's always a good a good plan, good idea, and a good plan to uh, sort of align with those who do share those values. No, uh, I think I think you're right. Um, what Aaron O'Toole and Andrew Shear taught us is wishy-washy 
is a recipe for disaster. Even going back to the late 90s when you had Paul Martin uh, running for prime minister and he earned the nickname Mr. Dithers. Now, once you get the nickname Mr. Dithers, it's over, Johnny, okay? It is over. And I think it, the last straw for him is he was doing a photo op and he was putting a wreath. It was Christmas time uh, on his door. And a reporter simply asked, I think it was just like a joking question. It wasn't a gotcha question. And she asked, uh, Mr. Martin, is that a Christmas wreath or a holiday wreath? And Martin looked like Bambi caught in the high beams of a Hummer on the 401, okay, Dakota? He was actually terrified, and his answer was, it's a $50 rate. <laughs> he wouldn't commit either to traditionalism or wokeism, <sighs> and uh, went up the middle, and we all know what happened to Paul Martin's career, uh, although I will say this. I would have Paul Martin in a heartbeat over Justin Trudeau. Paul Martin did do great work as a finance minister. Uh, Justin Trudeau and his cronies uh, think, um, uh, well, the budget will balance itself and let's just print money and let's send Canada into uh, a stagflation environment. Incredible. And we should go back because we did uh, uh, tease it at the beginning of the show. Um, Jean Charest. Yeah, speaking of liberals... Uh, Jean Jaurès says vaccine mandates keep public sector workers safe. And he said this in a campaign mail-out. Um, that gets my spidey senses tingling, uh, Dakota, because I truly believe it's only a matter of time, i.e. the fall when flu season comes in, when we'll have the du rigueur Premier Ford announcement, well, you know what, folks, if it was up to me, uh, I wouldn't close down businesses and I wouldn't mandate uh, max masks and I wouldn't uh, demand uh, vaccine apartheid. Um, and when you see Sheree, you know, talking about vaccine mandates and public sector workers, I think that is kind of if he did become Prime Minister Dakota, I think we know where he weighs when it comes to vax policies and it ain't a good one mm -hmm. yeah and i i think in that article we were flashing there from true north uh it was interesting when someone from his campaign was asked about that about him saying so you know jean charret he supports vaccine mandates he said oh well no at the uh, this other event here he said his he was asked about his thoughts on vaccine mandates and his response there was simply that, well, I don't think anyone thinks vaccine mandates would be effective anyway, so who would possibly implement those? But he made no hard and fast condemnation or statement. He just sort of like we were talking about went up the middle. Well, you know, these days, who really thinks vaccine mandates would be an effective policy? But that totally leaves him open to in the future saying, oh, well, actually, we now believe them to be a very effective policy and vaccine mandates all around. It just, uh, you know, you just absolutely lacks principle. Well, then again, uh, if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, Dakota, um, Jean Charest has a snowball's chance in hell of becoming leader of the Conservative Party and therefore uh, getting a chance at becoming prime minister. I really think um, we we are aboard the Pierre Polyev uh, steamroller here. And um, so really, uh, you may as well ask, I don't know, Scott Atchkinson, uh, what he thinks of vaccine mandates, you know, I'm not trying to be cruel to Scott, but like, 
there's a time mm -hmm. in which you got to say it's over and just quietly uh, exit stage right. And speaking of over, we've only got 10 minutes left, uh, Dakota. Mm -hmm. I believe we might have some chats that we do. Okay. And is that me, Olivia, you want me to read? Okay. Dakota, I think it's on your end. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I got uh, got this right here. So I'll go for it. Adam Ottawa says the Ottawa LRT is down again this week. They say it's because of lightning striking the electrical line. Cue the climate alarmist <laughs> relying on 100% electricity is just not working apparently. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Adam Ottawa, thank you for that dollar. Uh, brilliant comment. Uh, anything that, you know, what the climate alarmists don't understand or pretend not to understand Dakota is weather and environment are two different things. We've only kept accurate weather uh, records for the last three centuries. Guess what, folks? That is a blink of an eyelash in terms of geological time. Um, the planet is billions of years old. And when you say that uh, there was a record temperature set in London or there's a BC wildfire or an electrical strike took down the Ottawa transit line. Uh, that is zero evidence of climate change, but the Greta Thunberg acolytes, Dakota, they will nevertheless run with it. Mm -hmm. No doubt. <laughs> okay. Now, oh, again from Adam Ottawa. Do you want to see real hate in action? Read some of the comments made by the left on the CBC News article about Harper's tweet. Why do those on the left think they can be hateful themselves? Well, mm. they, it's, I guess um, it's almost an indoctrination, Dakota, I think, because we go, you know, when you go to right of center demonstrations versus left of center demonstrations, you know which one has the violence. Because I find that members on the left, they can't articulate what their points are. And they've been brought up uh, for a couple of decades now, an entire generation or more, with that phrase, punch a Nazi. Now, what is the definition of a Nazi? Is it someone on world conquest and engineering a genocide? Uh, no, the new definition is somebody that disagrees with you, be it climate change or uh, the US election of uh, 2020. And what's the result? Not to debate, not to engage with words, but to throw a punch, to break the law, to commit physical assault to commit vandalism, to burn down places. That is what the left is all about. And again, it's, I, I, you know, hearken back to this, you know, incredible lack of ability to simply articulate what it is they stand for because they probably don't even know what they stand for. Yeah, and there's just this, this overemphasis, like you're saying, and the definition of a Nazi these days is anyone you don't like or anyone, anyone who disagrees with you. And it's just sad to see these people who genuinely do believe that certain people who are on the opposite side of the political spectrum from them are their actual enemy who is out to destroy their lives, make their lives hell, wants to harm and oppress them. And they genuinely believe that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's a lot of you know misplaced hate out there. And it is actually very sad to see. It's pathetic. Adam Ottawa is on a roll today. <laughs> Hat trick. <laughs> yeah. CBC is reporting on alleged desecration of the unknown soldier tomb in Ottawa, but they won't show us what the desecration entailed. Who? How can we judge for ourselves if we can't see the damage? Yeah, that's interesting. I was actually reading that earlier uh, this morning. 
the desecration was they draped a flag over it. Now, I don't think that's appropriate. It was a it was a US Canada one of those yes. hybrid flags and they draped over the flag they draped it over the monument. Now, again, I don't think what they were doing was appropriate. I don't think that's something you should be doing on the tomb of the unknown soldier, but I would hardly call it desecration per se because that sort of paints the image that they were, you know, graffitiing it or something like that like they were, you know, actually vandalizing it where they draped some fabric over it, which again, it's disrespectful and inappropriate, I would say. But yeah, like uh, like Adam Ottawa was saying there, seems a little, uh, you know, bit of hyperbole there to saying they desecrated the, yeah, here's the video here. They draped a flag. Yeah, I so again, don't I don't think, condone this. I, I don't think this meets the benchmark, Dakota, of desecration. Now, had they spray painted the tomb, mm. you know, had they taken a mallet and smash pieces off. Uh, that's another kettle of fish. But um, I would imagine if that's a U.S. and Canadian flag that they've draped over the tomb, I think these are people, I'm just guessing now, because uh, um, I don't know this story in depth, who are supportive of the veterans and not anti-veteran, because they would probably drape, you know, I don't know, the flag of Antifa over the tomb if that were the case. So, um, but you know, uh, Adam Ottawa raises a good point. I am getting sick and tired, Dakota, because we're all adults here that are consuming news. Then when you read mainstream media uh, accounts of uh, controversial issues, how details are specifically left out of the story. Mm -hmm. um, you know, tip, uh, as an example, maybe you'll have a hockey game where the story is, one player said something offensive to another and they're calling for a suspension and, you know, yeah, you have fines and what, what have you. Um, can we have the quote that he allegedly said? I mean, I, no matter what it is, whether it's a racial slur, whether it's something about his mother, I think we can handle it. I don't think we'll need grief mm -hmm. counseling, but I see it happening more and more Dakota. Yeah, actually, like that article we had flashed up there, were saying Anand, you know, this minister, this liberal politician said this about, you know, this quote desecration of the tomb of the unknown soldier. I feel like that's way too common in media these days, the legacy media especially, is that they don't just report on what happened; they report on it from the lens of this is the comment that this politician or this person in power made on it. So it's always through the lens, through the perspective of this politician who is of course trying to win political points through every comment or statement they make. So we always have that political lens being laid across these news pieces and it's so rare to actually just get a straight news item on this happened at this place at this time. This is why these people are outraged about it. This is what these people have to say rather than headline, ooh, you know, this politician commented on this happening and that's the lens through which you view it. I, I find it just happens way too often. No, that, that's a good point. And if you are the CBC and their uh, legacy media ilk, um, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. So if the politician making the comment is a Justin Trudeau liberal cutting checks for you uh, to make sure your media organization stays alive, because if you had to, uh, you know, compete in a, uh, you know, a, a capitalist society in which you're not, uh, subsidized by tax dollars, you'd fail. Well, you really don't want to, you know, be too much of a muckraker, you know, Dakota, because like I said, uh, it's Papa Trudeau that's giving you those biscuits to stay alive. Do we have another uh, super chat? Yes, we do. Exactly. 
Yeah, January 777 says, too much sewage under the bridge with CPC. We need complete change other than lib slash CPC. Define insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. Too many red Tories inside CPC. Mm. You know, well, that is true, the red Tories inside the CPC. But the, the other issue, though, is who is the head of the fish? And we had two weaklings in Sheer and O'Toole. We have a street fighter in Pierre Polyev. He's been magnificent as a minister, I think. Um, so I think that's what counts most. And he'll steer that party. And you know what? If Pierre Polyev is so toxic as some people say, well, maybe these red Tories will just leave on their own accord. We had sneaky Patrick Brown saying before he was booted out of the party, if he wins, I'm not a part of the CPC. You know, who says that? Who, you know, like, can you believe how entitled and selfish this guy is that this party should really be called me, myself, and I, because if that's not who's leading it, I have nothing to do with it. What a creep. Yeah, well, it's interesting how he said he, he Patrick Brown could see himself working with any other leader but Pierre Polyev. I think it's particularly because, you know, of course, there was so much animosity between them. But he just knew that Polyev wouldn't, you know, wouldn't tolerate any of his scandal plagued BS, quite frankly, in the party. So I think he just knew he had no hopes of any success in a conservative party led by Pierre Polyev. And so he felt that, uh, of course, making that statement is very pro because oh of course you know i couldn't stand to let that extremist lead the party i wouldn't lead but of course he just knew that if polyev won he himself had no chances of getting anywhere in the party and you know uh as a sidebar to this story dakota i want to get your opinion on it was in the news cycle last week uh but it, it stuck in my head for whatever reason and it was reports of justin trudeau actually contemplating a fall election um, and what the only reason I could see that making sense in his work mind is he's believing the media Kool-Aid of Pierre Polyev being an extremist. And um, he is actually such a narcissist, as you described him aptly earlier, that he thinks uh, with Polyev at the helm, now is the time to strike. I personally feel that the best before date has come and gone with this government. Um, I also think that the NDP is no longer a credible party uh, to denounce the Trudeaus every day as uh, the Trudeau liberals rather every day in the um, in the media and then vote always to back them up. Uh, that makes that party a joke, quite frankly. And I think if Trudeau has drunk that Kool-Aid, he is in for a shock. Do you think there's any possibility that we could be seeing a fall election? Honestly, I, I truly hope so, because it would be really something. Because <laughs> like too. these past two elections, we have not had a real conservative leader leading the Conservative Party of Canada. So if we can get someone who is a real conservative to lead the Conservative Party in another election soon, I'm sure that would spell the end of Trudeau. I hope you're right as well. And for another reason, um, it could be the ultimate revenge on Jagmeet Singh. Don't forget the reason I think he's agreed to this extension till 2025. Well, you do the math. He was first elected 2019. 2025 is exactly six years. That means he gets the full government pension 
kicks in, whether uh, he wins or loses, and the possibility for him being ousted, which was the whole idea of this coalition, uh, he'd flip his lid, I would say. So we'll uh, see what happens in the weeks ahead. I hope you're right. Please, Justin, do it. Just mm -hmm. do it, as Nike says. <laughs> do we have yes. another super chat there? Yes, we do. Yeah. Frasbo, recently I read that Pierre Polyev and Harper are members of the WEF. If this is true, it should be spread far and wide. Please check it out. Yeah, and so that's that's been the common criticism since day one, that Pierre Polyev, oh, he's WEF, he's World Economic Forum, and Harper as well. And I think Pierre Polyev has adequately addressed this more than enough times of you know asking him like point blank. There's no more you can do beyond asking him point blank. Are you WEF? Do you support WEF? And he's, you know, denounced them on multiple occasions. And he's gone as far as saying that if he's elected prime minister, he would ban any member of his cabinet or any, I think he said any sitting MPs, but at the very least, any members of his cabinet from participating in the World Economic Forum at all. Yeah, ban oh, ministers and other top officials from involvement. So, I mean, it doesn't get more clear than that. And if he backpedals on that, that's a pretty extreme flip-flop. But... I mean, it seems clear enough. And my thoughts on Stephen Harper being World Economic Forum, I think you can certainly see videos of uh, Stephen Harper participating with World Economic Forum. He was definitely involved. I, In my mind, I imagine he may have just simply been naive to the true you know, intentions or identity of the World Economic Forum. You know, The idea of global cooperation, especially back when Stephen Harper was prime minister, it seems like, oh yeah, this, this coalition of you know, leaders getting together to promote, you know, multilateralism and global cooperation. I'm not sure Harper was really tuned in during his time as prime minister to what the World Economic Forum would become. That's just my sort of speculation personally. But hey, I don't know. I couldn't couldn't really tell you for sure. No, I kind of agree with you, Dakota. Uh, I mean, I have a book uh, back in my library at home. Uh, it's uh, got the photograph of the Ford Pinto on it. And the name of the book is Looked Good on Paper. <laughs> so uh, mm. sometimes you uh, get all vested into something or you're all in on something that looks good on paper. And then you find out that, uh, well, in reality, as was the case with the uh, the original Ford Pinto, uh, you didn't want to get into a fender bender uh, with that vehicle. Um, and uh, you make a, 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 another decision. Well, Stephen Harper is out of politics, but... You showed Pierre Polyev making that statement. And uh, again, I go back to what I said at the beginning. As long as Pierre Polyev comes as advertised, Dakota, I really like what I see. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I feel like your choice ultimately comes down to the one who's saying he is going to do this good stuff and maybe he backpedals on it and completely flip-flops and that will be terrible. Or do you elect someone who is not saying any of this and is guaranteed to not go through with it? So, you know, you can roll the dice with someone like Pierre Polyev or you can just go for certain death by, you know, WEF policies. So Indeed. that's the way I see it. And Sojourner, $1. The only way I would vote for a CPC leader is if they publicly denounce the UN 2030 agenda that Mulroney signed and the party has held to ever since to me, that's when the CPC died. Hmm. Well, you know what? That's a good point. I guess um, next time we bump into Pierre Polyev, we should ask him that question. Will you denounce uh, that uh, UN uh, 2030 agenda? It, it's amazing. Everything is 
2030 is now the new doomsday, isn't it, uh, Dakota? Uh, yeah. The previous one was 2012. It was the uh, the Mayans predicting 500 years ago that the world was going to end. Uh, they couldn't see their own world ending in the here and now with Spanish conquistadors sailing into their territory. But I digress. But um, and that is, um, I, I must say, it's a funny thing about Pierre Polyev. He, he was on uh, a Jordan Peterson podcast and he was talking about his, um, you know, how he uh, admired the mainstream media. And yet we cannot get him to sit down for a scheduled interview. Uh, I would love that. Ezra would love that. Anyone on mm. our staff would love that. But by the same token, he doesn't run away from us. Like you bumped into him in a parking lot, I think. But he, he answered mm -hmm. a couple of your questions. It was very brief. Yeah. But he didn't run away. He didn't sick security on you. So it's, um, you know, this is a little perturbing to me, Dakota, because if you do have admiration for the mainstream media, um, and if you look at who... Sorry, to correct you, David, you're saying mainstream media, I believe you mean... Oh, sorry, independent media. media. Thank God. You, uh, I, I would hate to that to exist on public record. Uh, it would be the end of my reputation. Yeah. But if, if that is the case, come on, sit down, have an interview. Uh, he's a great debater. Uh, it's not going to be a gotcha kind of thing. I mean, we're going to give him hard questions. Uh, but I would like to see that happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Any, any more chats here? Yes. Oh, yes. AMT 60. I've heard that Pierre was part of the WEF earlier, but his pick scrubbed from WF site. He talks about freedom and I like his message, but I hope he's being honest. Roman's great, but not the same charisma. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and uh, but to Roman's um, credit, uh, last week he did give an interview to our uh, beloved colleague, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Mm -hmm. So if Roman can do it, Pierre certainly can. It's true. Yeah, it's a great interview. I highly recommend checking it out. It's got some good ideas, good stuff. And yeah, giving him credit, he will sit down with us for a good talk. And I do like everything Rowan Babber's saying. I think he's on the money on most of his policy points. Yeah, I agree. Adam Ottawa back again. If bugs are the answer, why aren't they pushing them onto clients of food banks? Put their words to the test. Mm. Wow. Isn't that a gr you know, Adam Otto, I got to tell you, you're hitting it out of the ballpark today. Um, yeah. Uh, or would that be elitist, just getting our own domestic poor, much like the third world na nations poor, uh, eat bugs? I, you know, that sounds like a caper. Um, I'm just worried about maybe receiving a violent reaction coming over to homeless people and offering them bugs. But um yeah, that, that is an amazing point. Uh, I wonder if we put that to the likes of uh, John Tory and whoever runs the food bank system in Toronto, what their answer would be to that, Dakota. Yeah, we'll say, don't you worry. Soon enough, those at food banks will be eating the bugs because we will all be eating the bugs. <laughs> the only thing we'll be able to donate to the food banks will be our own bug food products. So it'll happen soon enough, not to worry. Wow. Well, well, we'll keep our eye on that one. Frasbo donates $1. The trouble with being old is I remember just a few years ago, restaurants would be closed if you found a bug in your soup. <laughs> well, you know, Frasbo, that's uh, a great uh, statement. Um, we're going to have to rewrite that classical joke. Uh, waiter, there's a fly in my soup. 
and the response from the waiter is, oh, I didn't notice, sir. That's going to be an extra dollar for the added protein. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, Palazzo Newman says that distant popping sound you hear is all the heads on Wellington Street exploding <laughs> after hearing Stephen Harper's endorsement of Pierre Polyev. I know, which it, to me is, um, you know, a badge of honor. If you're having uh, those on the left uh, having a mental meltdown, uh, couldn't be happier. <clears throat> Absolutely. Twinks gives us $2. Remember, Bill Gates is money behind WF and UN policies on depopulation, buying farmland also to turn it into UN agenda natural land while millions starve. They want to get rid of 7 billion people according to the agenda. 7 billion? Yeah. We've only got about 8 billion. That's, yep, I think it's, uh, well, as Kathleen Wynne would say, the ex-premier of Ontario, I think that's a stretch goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no doubt, Bill Gates is is tied right in, right in bed with all these nice big globalist orgs. No yeah. doubt. January seven 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 gives us one dollar and says, David, I agree with your head of the fish comment. In my business, a bean counter in charge has always crashed and burned. The CBC needs a ground up manager like Rowan Babber. Still, no more lib slash CPC. Well, you know what, uh, January triple uh, seven, you raise a good point. Um, I I don't think Roman Baber is going to become the leader of the Conservative Party, but who's to say he's not going to run as an MP uh, in a writing and uh, maybe even be part of uh, a cabinet? And I think uh, we're better off for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I do like you know, like you're saying, we have some great candidates in the leadership, and I would love. Love to see, like, if you know, so I do believe Pierre is going to get elected as leader. He is running, he's a front runner with such a margin. Like, I'd love to see the likes of Leslie Lewis and Roman Babber actually be in a cabinet. I think that would be such a great, you know, team actually to provide some real leadership and direction for our country. I don't know, I'd be excited about seeing that. Yeah, I, I think the only two that wouldn't sign on willingly well, one is gone, uh, sneaky Patrick Brown, <laughs> and the other is Jean Charest. Uh, no loss as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. Yeah, exactly. And that is, is it. that all? Okay, then. Well, Dakota, thank wow. you so much for uh, substituting for the She-Devil. She is covering an important uh, court uh, matter in Alberta right now, I understand. And I want to thank the uh, team behind the board, Olivia, Efren, and Danny. And, of course, I want to thank our audience for tuning in, especially those who made those generous donations. It's how we keep things humming here. And uh, tomorrow, there will be two other Rebel News reporters doing the live stream. So until Sheila and I reunite on Thursday, as always, folks, stay sane. For the fourth dose, same thing. If you're, if you're uh, you know, over age 50, if you have underlying medical conditions, immune compromised, then, then certainly consider that fourth dose. The other thing that we, we need to consider is that in early fall, um, there's a, a real chance of a, a bivalent vaccine um, that we begin a, a, our fall campaign with that is going to be um, very likely uh, more effective against the, the newer uh, variants that we're dealing with. And because there's going to be a three to six 
six-month interval between doses, a large fourth-dose campaign right now could potentially delay the receipt of a much uh, um, uh, possibly better uh, vaccine in, in fall. So a lot of variables there.